This week, I had a, an epic fail dad moment. Um, let, me tell, let me tell you the story. I actually, uh, on the last Thursday of the month, we have a pastor's meeting um, in North Phoenix. It's actually like the 51 in Bethany home. And from my house, it's about an hour and 20, hour and 30 minute drive, depending on the traffic. And um, the last month, I took Wesley with me, and that's kind of the deal. All the pastors love seeing Wesley, and we pass him around, and he's just a part of the time together. And, and so, so um, as we were getting ready that morning, um, Haley, Haley said, okay, Jared, I've, um, I've already got the bottles ready, and I, and I put them in the diaper bag with, with uh, one of those little frozen bags, you know, that you put in the freezer and keep things cool. And um, at least that's what I heard. That's what I heard. And so as I'm getting Wesley, Haley's already gone to work, and I'm getting him ready. It's 9 o'clock, and we have, it starts at 10.30, and so I'm putting him in the car. I just quickly grab, grab the diaper bag, and, and we drive off. And like for 20 minutes, he cried. I mean, he, he used to like the car. He doesn't anymore. He's like, I'm back here, but especially when mom's not back there with him. He's just like staring at nothingness, right? And so he's really frustrated. And um, we, get to, we get to the church and that we're having a meeting at, and I'm about, about 15 minutes early, so I think, you know, this is a perfect time for me to go ahead and feed them. No, none of the other pastors are here, and uh, I'll feed them really quick, and then, you know, put them back in his car seat, and we'll go and do the meeting, and it'll just be a perfect morning, right? Gonna just work out great. Got it all planned. Everything's been prepared. So I get Wesley out of the car, I throw the diaper bag in the front seat, I sit him on the steering wheel, and I'm like, are you ready to eat? Are you ready for your milks? And you know, all the stuff, and he's just like, you know, getting, you know, kind of half crying, half ready, getting all jazzed up to eat. I don't, that's a really bad idea, I guess, as a dad to do that. And then especially when I reach into the diaper bag to grab the bottle, and there are no bottles. Completely empty. You see, Haley didn't say that she put the bottles in the diaper bag. She said she put the bottles in her lunch bag with a freezer, with a cold pack, and they're in the refrigerator. And so now I have a hungry baby and nothing to feed him, nothing to give him. I mean, we're just out of luck, right? And we have an hour and a half drive home to get to the nearest bottle that has his milks in it. That's what we call it, the milks, to have his milks in it. An hour and a half of a frustrated baby screaming his little head off and me just thinking there is absolute... Have you ever been there before? Anybody ever do that? Or is it just me that had an epic fail moment? Like, all the parents don't want to don't want to admit it. It was horrendous. This kid was screaming bloody murder, and there was absolutely nothing that I could give him. That, and I'm trying to reason with him. Hey, buddy, it's only an hour and a half. We'll be there. Just, just go to sleep. You know, it's all going to be okay. We're going to be fine. And I'm like just barreling down the highway. Please, Lord, no cops. Please, Lord, no cops. Just get me there. No cops. What she said and what I heard were two different things. I don't know. I, and it really, it's just because I'm losing my hearing. I've found myself this last week doing that old man thing where I'm like, eh, they, huh? They, what did you say? She's like, Jared, do you realize that you literally just went like this to me? Are you getting, I mean, you're not that old. What is wrong with you? Parents, you understand, right? You tell your kid to do something and what they do is kind of opposite of what you said and then you confront them on They're like, but that's what you told me. No, that's exactly opposite of what I told you to do. 
A teacher asks her kids in her class, what's the difference between hearing and listening? And they said, listening, a little kid raised his hand, he said, listening is wanting to hear. Listening is wanting. We all hear, but we don't always listen. Today we're talking about a story about a kid, 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you want to grab your Bibles or pull out your phones, you can join with me. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, We're in our series, This Is Us. We're looking at the life and the starting ministry of Samuel. Samuel's just a boy in this passage. His mother, um, I believe his mother's name is Hannah. Um, Hannah was barren, and um, she couldn't have children. She was older in age, and whenever she would go to the temple, um, she would be mocked by her husband's other wife. Um, I don't remember her name, but she would kind of mock her for not having kids. Um, And... uh, and so this last time that she went to the temple, she just prayed to the Lord and said, she's crying before the Lord. And, and Eli, the priest, comes to her and says, you know, are you drunk? You know, why are you, why are you crying like this? Is there something? She's like, no, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just broken hearted. And she said, I, I'm so desperate for kids. And, and I make a vow today, if the Lord will give me a son, um, I will give him back to the service of the Lord. And so um, the Lord granted her request and gave her a son. And after the son was old enough to be weaned, um, he, she gave him to the temple to be raised to serve the Lord. And that's where we pick up 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, meanwhile, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. And again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. He said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I've warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God, and he has not disciplined them. So I vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifice or offerings. Samuel stayed in bed until morning, then got up and opened the doors of the tabernacle. As usual, he was afraid to tell Eli what the Lord had said to him. But Eli called out to him, Samuel, my son. Here I am, Samuel replied. What did the Lord say to you? Tell me everything, and may God strike you and even kill you if you hide anything from me. So Samuel told Eli everything. He didn't hold anything back. It is the Lord's will, Eli replied. Let him do what he thinks is best. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and gave messages to Samuel there at the tabernacle. So what can we learn about listening? What can we learn from the story of Samuel? There's just a few things. The first thing is this, is that we, we have to place ourselves in the ready position. You see, when you look at this text, there's only one person where they were supposed to be. And that was Samuel. 
Samuel was outside the Ark of the Covenant. Samuel was right where God wanted him to be so that God could speak to him. Eli wasn't where he was supposed to be. Eli's son, who were priests, weren't where they were supposed to be. But Samuel was. And because Samuel was where God wanted him to be, he was able to receive from God. In football, we have this thing called ready position. Anybody play football in high school? Or, or Actually, it's in any kind of sport, actually. Basketball it has the same moves. Volleyball, they teach you the same thing. The ready position is, is you get your feet shoulder-width apart, you know, so you have good base, and you bend your legs, and you put your hands up, and this is ready position. And our coach, every single day, a hundred times during practice, he'd go, ready position. And every single person within earshot had to break down and get like this and bounce their feet really fast. Because when you're in, the, in this position, you're ready for anything. You're ready for someone to come at you to block them. You know, offensive lineman, this is the perfect position to block. When you're on the defensive line, this is the perfect position when someone's trying to block you because you can hit them and you can keep them away so you're ready to tackle. Defensive backs, if you watch them, they're standing just like this in the backfield. A quarterback, when he's getting ready to take the snap, is just like this in a ready position. In volleyball, all the girls on the back row are standing just like this in ready position. In basketball, when you're trying to defend, you're just like this. In re- you get the point, right? Because in this position, you're ready for anything. There's a place that we can position ourselves with God that keeps us ready. There's a spirit that we can have that that keeps us ready to receive from God. Are you in a ready position? You're in a ready position if if you're occasionally, daily, opening up his word. Because it's through his word that he speaks to us. It's a ready position. You're in a ready position if you're talking to God. If you're speaking to him and, and, and pausing, allowing, allowing him to speak back, that's a ready position. You're in a ready position if you're, if you're fellowshipping with other followers of Jesus because the Holy Spirit speaks through them to you. That puts you in a ready position. There are places that you can put yourself in life where you're more ready to receive from the Father. It's, it's not just a position, but it's also a spirit. It's a ready spirit. You see, when you look at the text, one thing that you'll notice between um, um, Samuel and, and Phineas and Hophni, who are Eli's sons, is that they had a different spirit in life. If you go to 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, I think it's, no, verse 26, it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew taller and grew in favor with the Lord and with people. You see, he's, the, Samuel is contrasting here between himself and Hophni and, and, and Phineas. You see, Hophni and Phineas didn't have the right spirit. They were actually using their position as priests to, to gain themselves more power and to live, live a life of luxury. It, if you look in the scripture, it was so bad that, that when, when people would come to offer their sacrifice for forgiveness of sins, they would send their servant to where the meat was being boiled, and he would take a giant fork and he would stick it in, and he would say, whatever comes out is, it comes out is for the priests, and whatever stays behind stays for the Lord. Now, if you use a giant fork and you stab it into a bowl, guess what you're gonna get? You're gonna get all of it, right? And so that's what he was, and, and you have to understand that this was people's sacrifice. That they were offering to be made right with God, and they were robbing it for their own pleasure. 
The scripture says that, that men would come and offer the fat sacrifice, which was what was supposed to be done first. They would burn the fat in, in, in a sacrifice to the Lord. And Phineas and, and, and Hophni would, would steal that sacrifice and use it to cook their food for their own, their own pleasure. What was meant for God, they're stealing from them. They were using the women that served the temple for their own sexual and physical pleasure. That's how disgusting these men had become. That's how messed up they were that, that what was meant for God, they were using it for their own glory, for their own satisfaction. And then you have Samuel, who when he responded to the Lord, he said what? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. You see, Samuel wasn't there to serve himself. He was there to serve God. He had the right spirit. He had a spirit of a servant. He said, God, I'm listening for you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to make your name great, not to make my name great. And it was because of Hophni and Phinehas wanting to make their own name great that God said, your sacrifices for your sins, it's not covering you're not forgiven. You will be punished. You will lose your life because you're serving yourself and not God. So they had, they had the, the spirit, the approach. It's with your approach with the right spirit. And here's the last thought about learning to listen is that you have to answer the call. What did, what did the scripture say about Samuel? What did Samuel do? He went back to bed, Right? But but it kind of gave the inclination that he didn't really go back to sleep. And he was afraid. He was afraid to tell Eli what was told to him because of how hard, of how difficult, of how this guy who I've been serving, and I've got to tell him that his family is going to be destroyed. I don't want to do this. But what does he do? He obeys. You see, there's, there's a wall that comes between us and God when we hear from God, but then don't do what he says. The beginning says in First Samuel chapter 3, it says, Meanwhile, um, it says, Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. Why do you think that is? Why did God stop speaking? Because they stopped listening. Because Eli and his sons stopped obeying and stopped serving. And so if you're going to be a servant, you have to follow through. I mean, if you think about it, servants still have a whole lot of choice, right? When you're a servant, you do what the master says. Now, we have a choice. Um, but if we want to learn to listen, then we have to learn to obey. We have to learn to follow through. It's about the right spirit. It's, it's about being in the right place, in the ready position. And it's about doing what God places on your heart and being obedient. Saying, God, whatever it is, no matter how difficult, no matter how frustrating, no matter how hard, God, I'm going to do. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what you say, because you're king. I'm not. You're master. I'm servant. I'm going to obey.